everybody welcome back to the podcast daily i'm bill landis that's jeremy birmingham uh, we appreciate you starting your week with us here on the podcast after uh you know a tough loss for ohio state over the weekend i'm sure people uh, aren't aren't particularly interested in keeping the rehash it but uh you know we're here we're talking about it uh berm we're not going to do a rewatch because i don't think anyone wants that right now um so i'm just going to ask you this we're recording this you know 30-ish hours after the game happened we've gotten back to our lives spent some time around our families a little time to digest a little time to decompress 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 how you feeling uh i went and saw the little mermaid on sunday afternoon as opposed to my, my other option was watching the bengals uh and i kept up to date on their progress while i was at the crosley theater croswell theater in adrian michigan the oldest uh you know opera house slash theater in michigan um and they did exactly what i thought they would do so i was glad i didn't watch that game but then <laughs> when i got home after had dinner sat down watched the end of the eagles game and i thought to myself bill's real lucky he doesn't have to root for anything in ohio uh because you know it's not always fun uh no honestly it, it is uh, and, and this is going to sound in some way like i'm i'm trying to be holier than now or priestly or whatever I, the last couple of years have had so many real life losses that I can't really allow myself to get like worked up about a football game to the degree that I used to. Now that said, uh, I'm interested in doing a rewatch of the Ohio State Michigan game next Sunday night if Texas loses and Florida State loses and Ohio State finds a way to sneak into the playoffs. So uh, if that happens, uh, I, I think we can then maybe look back at this game over the weekend. And dive into the minutia of it and see if we can figure out exactly where things went right or where things went wrong. Um, but in the big picture of things, that doesn't really matter uh, as we head into Monday morning. What we have to think about now for Ohio State uh, is where do they go from here? What's next? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, looking back at the Michigan game would not make any sense right now because if Ohio State doesn't get the help it needs to get in the playoff, 60% of the starters on this team won't be playing a football game for Ohio State again. And so then, who cares what happens? Because, you know, I, I think that the, the Orange Bowl or wherever they end up will be a fine game. It'll be a fun opportunity for some young guys to get their first reps. I hope for Brandon Innes' sake and some guys like that, they, they get a chance to do that in South Florida. It'd be good for them to get home and, and have that opportunity. Um, but Ohio State needs a lot of help to get to the playoff, and we can talk about the games, I guess, net, you know, once we figure that out. But um, it's more about the big picture of where things go for Ryan Day and for the program. And, um, to do that without losing sight of the fact that it is clear Ohio State is one of the top four or five programs in the country, and they have to fix a few things to make sure that they have a shot to win a national championship next year. So I agree with you, right? Well, it does feel like we're kind of in the off-season mode, and obviously we'll, we'll recalibrate um, if and when we have to, but we're not we're not there quite yet. So I think it is okay to, to kind of have more of an eye toward the future. So I, I guess with that in mind, when when you think about next steps bigger picture like what what's the first thing that comes to mind for you as you think about what ohio state might need to address to i, I don't even know how to put it like take that next step forward like make sure it's in the right form it needs to be and I, it's not like it needs a reset right there there's like you said they're still one of the top five programs in the country but clearly there there are things that need to be addressed so when you think about those things where does your mind go first i think it's about ryan day figuring out what type of leader he wants to be uh and, and Maybe making some tough decisions. We talked about it on snap judgments. I'm sure you and Doug talked about it on the post game as well about some coaching 
uh, shuffling that needs to happen. You have to make sure James Laurinaitis stays on your staff. Uh, that's that's rule number one for me. Uh, and to do that, that means somebody else has to go. And I think uh, everyone has a fairly good idea of what the most likely course of action is for Ohio State. Um, Saturday was another reminder that the special teams play has just not been good enough. Uh, it's not it's not meant to be a knock on Barker Fleming, who I, I genuinely like him. I, I just don't know if you have to choose between what you're getting now and in the future out of James Laurinaitis versus what you're getting now and in the future versus Parker Fleming. I just don't think I just I don't think there's a a, a reasonable discussion to be had for any other outcome other than that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. You're, we did talk about that some um, on the live show that Doug and I did on on Sunday, which does have like a little more, you know, game rehash if people are are, are looking for that, and certainly snap judgments and, and the post game show we did has that too. If you are someone who's looking for it, but um, yeah, I think that's the obvious step in, in terms of in terms of staff stuff, right? And and I when that move the the because I think you know I think everybody agrees that James Larnard should probably be a full time staff member for this team. When you think about that move. And the impact of it, do you think about more like on field stuff or like the the impact it could have on roster building, recruiting, or even like the intangible stuff of like what it takes to win in the Michigan game too? Like what, what do you think is most important there when you consider that move? I think more about recruiting, obviously, to start, but I, I do think that there is some 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 value in having guys that have played in the in this rivalry and played in in, in the Big Ten. And James Laurinaitis, I, I, you know, watching the game on Saturday. From the field, I, I like to just look at the sideline, see who's doing what. And the only coach that I really saw constantly in the face of players, the only coach I saw that was constantly grabbing guys by their jerseys and saying, okay, this is what we're doing, is James Laurinaitis. And I, I think you need that. It, college football is so different now, and, and it's not a, a knock on anybody who's lived the old school way, but you have to have these young coaches that understand how to connect with the players. And, and James Laurinaitis does that. Obviously, as a recruiter, he's got a potential to be elite. I'm not going to stand here and say that I, I think that the linebacker play was markedly better than a year ago with James Laurinaitis as the as the de facto position coach. I, I think we can actually probably agree that maybe it was a step backwards, but some of that is because they were asked to do different things. Some of that is because uh, you know there always has to be a weak spot in the defense, and the defensive line and the, and the safeties were better, and so the linebackers, I guess, by default became the third best level of, of the defense. Um, but I also think that it's important to grasp that Steel Chambers is still a, a running back turn linebacker two years ago. And, and uh, Tommy Eichenberg played pretty much all last year with broken thumbs. And this year, towards the end, of, I, I don't know, maybe he shouldn't have played on Saturday because he didn't look himself uh, and certainly didn't appear to be able to be as physical as he wanted to be. And that I guess that leads into my second point of something that has to be done this offseason. Let's make this an, an open letter to Ryan Day, I guess. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you can't we have to know what's going on with injuries like we have to know what's actually happening so that we can be fair in the way that we evaluate and assess these these players and i know that the coaching staff and, and the inside of the woody hayes athletic center doesn't give two craps about what we think but when when we are trying to tell the story of the team it becomes nearly impossible to tell uh when we don't have any idea what's really going on with these kids and and um, that's a shame because I think it does tinge the way people view players like Tommy Eichenberg at the end of his career um, at, at Ohio State, which uh, obviously didn't go the way that anyone would have wanted. But I, I don't know. I don't know if he was healthy enough to play, and we don't, because we don't know what actually happened to him in the Rutgers game. Yeah, it's tough. Um, 
you try to keep it in mind to like i think he, he clearly was not himself i don't know if like Mike Hall right, was coming off an injury, I thought Mike Hall might have played his best game of the year. So like, there's the, yeah, there's there's stuff like that too. So, but it, no, it just I think it's fair to everybody if we can have a better idea of what's going on, um, just so we can yeah we can talk about it fairly. So that's I'm in agreement with you. That's something I would like to see changed. Not uh, optimistic that it's going to change, but I would yeah. like to. See. Um, I want to circle like circle back to what you said about you know James Laurinaitis potential impact there and like having guys around that have been in the Michigan game played in the Big Ten like have a I don't know, a deeper understanding of, of the history here and the importance of it. Is there anything else in your mind that can be done besides like bringing more people like that into the program that can maybe get Ohio State in a better place in this rivalry than where it is right now? Because I do feel like, again, as someone who's like, I'm, I'm not an Ohioan, right? I, I've just like, I've been covering Ohio State for a decade. I, I like to think I have a grasp of what it means to people, but I would never actually pretend to know that because I didn't grow up with it. But I understand the importance of it, and, and to me, like those intangible things seem like they matter a tremendous amount, and, I, and it just feels like Ohio State's missing some of them. But but I don't know, I don't know how they get it back because like a guy from New Hampshire like trying to do it almost like would feel inorganic too. So, are there yeah. other things that could be done? You think that could help in that way? I, I don't know. I, I'm gonna I I may draw some some fire here from people. Like I think Ryan Day gets it. I, I don't think Ryan Day doesn't understand the rivalry. I want to be very like. Ryan Day's children have lived in, in Ohio for seven years now. Okay. Like he's raising his kids in, in central Ohio. His family's been in central Ohio for seven years. That's almost now a quarter of his life. Like he gets what this rivalry is about. Does that mean that maybe his style um, doesn't lend to quite the obsessiveness about this rivalry that Urban Myers did and Jim Trestle did? Of course. I mean, that again is the evolution of, of football and coaches that are younger and having a different approach. Now, Something about this approach isn't working. Um, I don't know if you need more assistance. Uh, like, I, I'm just going to say this, and it, this is not me advocating for firings and wholesale staff changes and that sort of stuff, okay? If I had to choose right now between JT Barrett as my quarterback's coach and Corey Dennis as my quarterback's coach, i probably pick JT Barrett. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get like, that. It's like JT, like, number one, Corey Dennis and his hands-on approach with the quarterbacks is not really a part of this puzzle, right? Because Ryan Day is the quarterback's coach. I, I do think that having a guy that played quarterback, especially understanding the Big Ten, would be pivotal for a player like Kyle McCord who's trying to develop and become a better player. Ryan Day cannot be the full-time quarterback's coach and the full-time head coach at Ohio State. And that is, in many ways, what he's been in the last couple of years. Now, when you have generational players like C.J. Stroud and and Justin Fields, that's well and good. When you have a guy who actually needs hands-on development and and intrinsic um, work to be done, I don't think it's fair to expect Ryan Day to do that. Now, whose fault is that? It's Ryan Day's, right? He's the guy that promoted and, and wanted to keep Corey Dennis there. He wanted to keep Corey Dennis there because Corey Dennis will coach things the way Ryan Day wants. I think Justin... I think JT Barrett would do the same thing. And he was a, I, I'm going to tell you what, Bill, I was watching on Saturday night. Uh, it's the end of the first quarter, Florida, Florida state. And they brought Tim Tebow on to have a conversation on the sideline. He was honored pregame for something at Florida. And I sat there watching and listening to Tim Tebow talk about how much he loved Florida and how much it meant to him to play football and not just for the Gators, but play football in general and how much the game meant to him. And I was like, damn, I want to, 
I want to run through a brick wall sitting on my couch. And then I thought about the post game in Ann Arbor on Saturday and how maybe, maybe you get laughed at at it. Maybe it's not 2008 and, and people will, will clown on you for showing up with emotion. I think the two times that the Ryan day has really connected with the Ohio state fan base, the guy that people are like, damn, that's my coach and I'm supporting him or the Georgia game last year. And after the Notre Dame game this year, because people saw him care. And I know because we, we do have the benefit of having an actual relationship with Ryan day and getting to talk to him and know him as a person a little bit. That guy cares a lot, Mm -hmm. but I think at some point you have to stop being concerned about letting that show, like let it out. People want that. This is 2023. I want to know that the coach feels it as much as the people who are at home watching it do. And there's been a very few times when day uh, takes that approach and people respond to it very positively. I, I think he needs to just let it go and be himself. And I don't know that he's always doing that. And I think that's because he feels like maybe he doesn't belong because he's not from Ohio. And he, I think he's trying to constantly prove that. But the times when he's actually just sort of exposed himself, that's when people have responded the most affirmatively. Yeah, I, th- I, I think that's right. Um, and I do think it's probably difficult, right, to figure out exactly how to how to handle that because i don't i don't think like it's what you said earlier right it's not that he doesn't understand the importance of ohio state michigan of course he does um understanding it and then channeling those emotions the right way to get the best out of your team i think are two very different things and the second part i think is what maybe what he's what he struggled with like how how is he supposed to set the example for his team going into that game and i actually it's kind of weird like last year, I thought maybe he was a little too tight, and his team played that way. And then I don't know, like going into this game, I, I I didn't I didn't sense any tightness, but I also sensed just like kind of like an utter lack of emotion in general, right? And and I think there's probably somewhere in between where he where he needs to land to get this team into the right frame of mind. And I I do think he's capable of it because we've seen it. It's just like I I don't know why he was able to to channel it in a couple like the Notre Dame game and the Georgia game and he hasn't been able to quite do it in in this game but that that disconnect is what's a little weird to me I think he wasn't able to because he's lost to Michigan the last two years before this one and he doesn't want to say something that could be construed as a, a you know bulletin board material uh, there were so many things happening in the last few weeks that Ryan Day could have stepped up and, and been demonstrative about and said hey this is wrong instead it's always like oh we're just going to play it cool like Mm-hmm. people don't want that don't don't worry about playing it cool play it like you feel and, and people will respond to that he is an extremely competitive person like uh, at, to the level that you know people sometimes oh he's not like Urban Meyer he doesn't have that yes he does he does have that he just doesn't want to show it all the time and I think it's because he wants to be viewed as very under controlled leader and maybe that's because he hasn't won the national championship or gotten something where he feels like he's earned the right to step up like you're the head coach at Ohio State, you are the person that everyone in the country is going to listen to when you talk about an issue. If you step up and say, "Hey, what they've been doing is flat out wrong and it shouldn't be happening," people will respond. Yeah, you'll have Michigan fans say you're a crybaby. Who cares? Like that's 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 part of the sport. You have the occasional national media writer say, "Oh, you shouldn't say this," but who cares? Like people will respond to it. Just go out there and let it rip. And that, and I mean that in the way of. Ryan Day as a head coach letting it rip. I mean, as a play caller letting it rip. I mean, on the field letting your emotions go. Be that guy. Like, that's when people like it. That's when people respond. And uh, I think it's what this team desperately needs. I said it at the start of the year. I felt like there was not 
a, a leader who was going to go out there and just put the team on their back and say, I'm doing this with or without you guys. And that was something I worried about preseason. It's, and it's something that I, I felt on Saturday at watching, you know, and kudos to Kyle McCord for sitting down in front of the media in Ann Arbor and talking. Mm-hmm. Caleb Williams didn't do that a week ago after the US, US UCLA game. He didn't have to do that. And people don't really, I think, understand that. Kyle McCord is a junior in college. He doesn't have to sit there and, and take those shots, but he is. Um, but I don't know. Do you think people w- wanted to hear Kyle McCord say, oh, we tried our best? Or do you think he people would have responded better if he said, this is never going to happen again? Yeah, the latter, right? I, th- I think passion in general, which is this like, and, and, and Kyle, Kyle saying like, it's, uh, what did he say? I, I, people misconstrued as him saying, I think it's just a game. I think what he actually yeah. said is like, it's a football game. Um, as, like leading in, leading into the week as a way of saying like, you know, don't, don't let your emotions run too high. I don't know. I kind of think you can let your emotions run high <laughs> in, in, a a game, in a game like that. Like the being tight and playing emotional, I think are two different things. Um, and as long here's, as here's another, to, I, I, yeah. I don't mean to interrupt. This is an important, I think, anecdote from on the field pregame because you guys weren't allowed down there. So you didn't see this. Yeah. So team comes out and they're getting ready to go to do the quarterback warmups and that sort of stuff. And Kyle McCord, like he has all year, gets in the huddle and, and starts to, you know, give a speech, right? You give his give his uh his his heart and soul to the team. And what he said over and over, I said I think he said it four times. No mistakes. Do not make mistakes. Do not make mistakes. And I was like, and I was sitting there talking to our friend Adam King, and I said, Man, I kind of wish they just say, like, let's go out there and rip, you know, do our best. Like yeah. when, when the idea is don't make mistakes, like that, that like idea of don't be tight. Like, I, I don't know that it was, or that they were too loose. Like, obviously someone was feeling some pressure and I turned to Adam and I said, you know, it's unfortunate the guy who's going to have the ball in his hands most of the game and is most likely to make the mistake is saying, don't make mistakes. And, and it just like, I, there's a lacking confidence from the quarterback. And that goes back to my initial point, I guess, about like, there's other staff changes that I think could be made that are beneficial for this program. And JT Barrett's coaching with the Detroit lions and, and doing pretty well with the quarterbacks up there. So uh, I think it's time to make that call. Yeah. So let me ask you this then. Um, and maybe this can be our last point here. When you think about where this rivalry is and the uh, separation is probably not the right word, but the the thing that is keeping Ohio state from, from winning these games and maybe we can just focus on this one because as far as we know there weren't any extracurriculars that aided michigan in this game um is it more football stuff or is it more like intangible emotion stuff that is the difference between winning and losing for ohio state right now i think it's intangible emotion stuff okay i mean yeah you lost this game on saturday because you made mistakes and michigan didn't i mean let's you i i think there has to be a real conversation about that. I mean, you lose by six points, you give away three points at the end of the half by elite, you know, even if you get 10 more yards, you still maybe kick a field goal and maybe yeah. you miss it. But at least that it's in the purview of reality. Uh, if you're kicking a 42 yarder instead of a 52 yarder, um, you give them seven points in the first quarter on an interception. And you, I mean, whether or not, Ohio State should have given up Michigan's second touchdown, which I personally don't think that was anything other than an interception. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think from the start of the game, after Ohio State went three and out on the first drive, Michigan goes three and out. It, it, it's kind of I mean, pregame keys. I said, first couple drives are going to be these teams feeling each other out. And it's exactly what happened. 
And then Kyle McCord made a, a critical mistake. Michigan scored. And from that point forward, like the Ohio State team was just meh. They were just like tight from that, mo- that moment forward. I thought Ryan Day called a great game offensively. I, I thought that the yeah. offense, if it executes at the level it should and the, the level uh, Ryan Day expects and the re- level we've seen in the last few years, I think Ohio State wins that game. I, I don't think there was anything wrong. Like I've had people ask out on the board at OhioState.com, should Ryan Day give up play calling? Like, I don't think this had anything to do with that. I think even going up into halftime, uh, Ohio State down 14 to 10, no one said a word. No one said a word walking up that tunnel except for Jack Sawyer, who turned. He was one of the last people in the locker room who said, guys, we're going to win this game. Like No one else said a word. And that sort of tightness, that sort of lack of confidence was shocking to me. And I think that comes because they felt the coaching staff playing tight and, and calling it tight at that moment. And if you have these athletes, you have this caliber of player on your team, you have to just go out there and say, guys, we, we, are, we are better than them. And we are going to give you every chance to win. And I just don't think that the guys on the team felt like they were given that opportunity on Saturday. Yeah, I think um, I, there was something. So this is this is not a direct quote, I guess. But this is from Nick Baumgartner, who we've had on the show a few times. He's a former Michigan writer, was at the game uh, on Saturday. And he tweeted this out. Um, Sharon Moore said something along the lines of, quote, kids come here to let it rip in this game. If we're not giving them that shot, what are we even doing? Um, Ohio State needs to have that approach too. I think. And, I, I, I think that Ryan Day would probably argue that he did. I, 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 but I don't know that. I mean, I don't think he should argue that. But he clearly is speaking post game, which I didn't get to see because I was stuck on the field because yeah. the the security wouldn't let media members go back up to the tunnel for some reason. Uh, so I missed the entire post game. Uh, but. He seemed very content with the field goal opportunity. Now, I think this is because Ryan Day, for the first time in his career, was confident enough in his defense that he felt like, hey, if we miss this, big deal. You know, and the Buckeyes did. They came out, they tied the game up. I said on, on snap judgments, but I thought that the Ohio State touchdown drive with the second drive of the sec- of the second half was like the best drive I've seen from Ohio State all year. I mean, it was they, their best drive of the season. Yeah. They were like, Okay, we're, we're not going to, and then the defense let him down. I just, I, I don't know, like the Sharon Moore quote is dead, is, is spot on. I don't know that I think that Ryan Day was in the wrong for the way he called the game. Like, I, I, I can argue, yeah. I, I think you can argue the point that they should have maybe gone for it or, or tried to get further in, into the uh, closing the half out and, and trying to get more yards. I don't disagree with punting on the fourth and two from their own 46 yard line on the second, third drive of the, or second drive of the game. I disagree with the fact that you have a punter who can't kick it more than 35 yards, apparently. Mm-hmm. And, and if that's the case, then go for it. I don't think that going for it in itself was a bad decision. I think if I have a, a coach who I want to say, what are you doing? It was Jim Knowles on Saturday. Like, why did you blitz four times? Why did you not try to get after J.J. McCarthy? Like, it, it, he, he had four incompletions, and I think all four of them were when you blitzed. So why not go after the kid? Like, why not go at him? Uh, And this is where I think the last two years does still play some role in the psyche for Ohio State because those moments where you're like, oh, did they catch us because we were cheating or or because they were cheating or because they they just knew what we were doing? Because I I think Jim Knowles, as conservative as he played it all year, like I I thought he missed a major opportunity on Saturday by just letting Michigan go for four yards a a carry and and not trying to to throw them off off their rhythm. 
Yeah, I think there's there's possibly an overcorrection there for Jim Knowles. Um, four blitzes is probably not enough, especially when your defensive line is not really getting after it. Um, but I think like I, the, the the idea of like let it rip, right? I don't I don't think that's merely play or it's not it's not the decision of the play, right? It's it's what the decision, what message that sends to your players. I think, and it's like, are you creating an environment where your players feel empowered to like? play fast probably play with like a little bit of reckless abandon like play with your hair on fire in a game like that and i don't i don't know i don't know that either guy who was calling the plays for ohio state did that well enough against michigan i think michigan's coaches probably did that better on both sides of the ball than ohio state's did and i kind of feel like that's been the case for the last three years it's not like oh i didn't it's not like i I disagree with this specific play call on third and five because i kind of agree with you that like ryan day did seem to have a good plan but there are moments that arise in a game where I think you can send your team a message one way or the other. And and I don't know, I don't know really if the right message was sent at any point other than probably on that one drive where it was clear that Michigan's defense was worn down and Ohio state had something going with the run game and Ryan day just leaned on it and pushed him into the end zone. But, but aside from that, I, I thought maybe there were some missed opportunities to like maybe, maybe flip the, the momentum or like the emotion of the game truly in Ohio state's favor. Yeah, and this is probably a byproduct of being a you know, and I say this, and people will oh, he's not young, he's he's in the fifth year, he's a veteran head coach now, but he's you're still learning, and I think it's about learning how and who you can trust, and something doesn't feel like I don't know if it's not having Kevin Wilson's voice there. I I, I've tried to talk about that a few times through the season, and it hasn't really like I just don't think there's another voice on the offense that Ryan Day trusts. And I don't know why that is. I, I think he, I think it's closer to trusting like Justin Fry. I don't think we saw any real impact of Brian Harline as an offensive coordinator, and that's fine. He's still learning how to in, in that role. But is there somebody in Ryan Day's ear pushing back? Is there somebody in yeah. his ear saying, "Coach, are you sure this is what you want to do?" Coach, let's think about this. And I don't know that you have that guy right now. And some of this is because the entire offensive staff outside of Tony Alford is like younger than Ryan day, which Ryan day is 44 years old. He's one of the younger head coaches in college football, especially in power five football. So uh, other than Tony Alford, who who's older than him, who, who's going to have the ability to stay, Hey, you're, you're, you're not thinking about this clearly. And I, I don't think that you have that on offense. Um, and, he stayed, yeah. and he stayed so out of it on defense that I just think that he's trusted, you know, he he's trust Jim Knowles implicitly. And I'm not sure that that was rewarded. Yeah, it's tough. Like I, I, I thought the defense in the end probably played well enough for Ohio State to win. The the one the one killer was the seven minute drive, but they also it was 23 points and then the seven yard touchdown drive that they gave up. Like I think in most big games that should be good enough. Um, they played well enough to win. Kyle McCord played well enough to win, minus the first the first interception and the last interception. Like in a game like this, yeah. in the margins, like that is all it takes, though, is one right. one drive, one interception. And and again, Michigan didn't make those mistakes. Now that goes back maybe to what has been an issue for Ohio State with discipline and, and other things. Uh Ohio State only had one penalty on, on Saturday, right? And that was the special teams penalty. Yeah, um, uh, illegal formation on a punt. Yeah. So I guess I win my bold predictions crown because I said Ohio State would penalize less than Michigan. Um, I guess we'll hold on to that. For, That's for, what we all care about. Yeah. Yes. Um, no, I, I don't know, man. Like I, I don't. I totally get the perspective of fans asking, "What's next? Where does this go?" Um, but 
I think that there are staff changes that need to be made and a decision by Ryan Day about which type of head coach he's going to be for the rest of his career, period. And those are not easy decisions, but they are decisions that have to be made and they have to be made quickly because he's 44 years old. He's one of the winningest coaches in college football. If he was to duplicate the next five years that he's had over the first five years, he'd be the winningest coach in NCAA history over the first 10 years of his career. Like better than Newt Rockney, better like he. It, it's Kirby Smart is one and four against Alabama in his career. Nobody wants him fired because he's won national championships. He receives the benefit of not having to play Alabama every single year and have it decide the season. Um, Ryan Day doesn't get that benefit of the doubt, and I understand it. Um, he has to win these big games, and you know, I, I don't. I'm not here to say, oh, put him on the hot seat. He knows he's on the hot seat. This this is now. This is now a problem. This is now a trend. And uh, it's a trend that he alone has the authority and power to fix. So what is he going to do? And and that's the question. I look at Michigan staff, and I think that you have a staff full of coaches that are willing to do what they have to do to win the game. And I think sometimes Ohio State's coaching staff is willing to walk into a game and say, this is our plan, and we're not changing it no matter what. And that is a concern to me. Larry Johnson, we talked about this three weeks ago. We thought Ohio State would mess around with some five-man fronts against Minnesota to prepare for this game against Michigan. You don't think a five-man front in the third and fourth quarter when Michigan decided to try to go just run heavy, run heavy all the time would it would have made a difference? I think maybe you at least cut down those four yards of carry to two and a half yards of carry, and you get off the field in four minutes instead of seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Larry Johnson's refusal to change the way he does things over the last 10 years of his career eventually catches up. Urban Meyer was the greatest offensive mind in college football in 2007. Remember? And then 2017, the Buckeyes couldn't score without Ryan Day's bringing in a new style of offense. Uh, it, you have to keep evolving. And I just don't know that these guys are. Kudos to Tim Walton. His group played a great game again. Like there are good things happening in this program and, and really good young coaches and really good coaches making some 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 steps in the right direction. But there are some areas where things have just stagnated and it's impossible to ignore. Yeah. We'll uh we'll talk more about that stuff, right? We don't I don't know what we do need to belabor it anymore here on this episode of the daily. We'll we'll see what happens with Ohio State this week. I think if you're if you're someone who Wants Ohio State to make the playoff, and, and I think you should while that opportunity still exists. Um, there's a couple games to, to keep an eye on this week. It seems yeah. more than likely it'll be a different New Year's Six Bowl game for the Buckeyes, but we'll we'll take that as it comes, and, and obviously we'll be here for you uh, on the podcast all week uh, leading up to whatever happens this weekend for Ohio State. We'll be at Roosters later on Monday for the live show. Come hang out if you want or check it out here on the podcast channel. Kings of the North, everything you expect from us on a Monday and the rest of the week here Uh, on the podcast feeds. Uh, Until we talk to you again, that's Burma. I'm Bill. Thanks for listening.